0: Welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where, come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Bounces Order. And today, we're here to recap the first of hopefully many Wildcat victories. And this was the 45 0 Wildcat victory against Semo. It was the opener, and you know, just on top stuff. You know, the crowd was really good. It was a good crowd on hand. Stripe out mostly worked. Um, there were times that, you know, the, the energy sort of waned a little bit, but that's also because we were up 45 against an FCS team.
1: Yeah. Yeah, especially in the kind of second and third quarter, um, especially the third quarter, I think. Yeah. Because, um, well, for one, you have people that leave and just don't get back till mid-third quarter. That's a whole separate topic. but Yeah. <laughs> Also, we only scored three points in the third, we were only up thirty five or we were already up thirty five zero, so you know there wasn't a ton of energy in the building. but then of course, uh, once a certain somebody came into the game, that kind of changed
0: everything really quickly. yeah, I mean, we can go ahead and skip to that. I mean, it was really good to get to see Avery Johnson number five quarterback of the future. you know it, I don't feel like we're gonna get much pushback by saying Avery Johnson's the quarterback of the future especially given the performance that he had. He looked really good. He was m- more polished than I expected, yeah, and I think, than you
1: expected. Mm-hmm. And he was our consensus number one recruit uh, in this class, uh, which we can go into a whole separate topic about how this recent <laughs> recruiting class looked and some of our hits <laughs> and misses from that. Uh, but, man, it was uh, really, really awesome to watch Avery play. Uh, he, honestly, if Will wasn't on this team, he looked like he could have been ready to yep. play today and at least be solid. Mm-hmm. And it's clear that he's not going to be here for like four or five years. <laughs> no. like, I, I think if everything goes according to plan, he's probably leaving uh, for the NFL after three. Uh, so I guess we'll have to wait and see on that, though. But he was electric. He injected energy into the crowd, and the offense was completely different with him on the field too. It felt like it feels like maybe with Avery, we're gonna really see the ultimate offense that Klein wants, uh, which is kind of the pass game that we used with Will Howard and the run game that we used with Adrian, and mix those two, and then add in some great players like Trey Spivey, uh, Jace Brown. And Joe Jackson. That's why we should not have been able to put the move on that guy that he did. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he we went out of bounds, but the move stands.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the move
1: stands to the to- test of time. So, but we we can go down that rabbit hole even more a little later. But yeah, the crowd was great. Uh, they were on the student section was fantastic uh, in terms of getting there. Uh, people on the other side of the stadium were saying that the student section was full at kick, uh, which doesn't happen very often. And then announced attendance was just over 52,000. Really, really, really good, especially for how hot of a game it was. So excellent, excellent, excellent turnout for game one.
0: Yeah, especially, you know, really hot against an FCS squad. You don't know sometimes how, how things are going to end up turning out, but it turned out really well. But in terms of on the field, we'll talk about game day grades in a little bit, but we'll talk about who didn't play a little bit. Uh, Keegan Johnson, which is the second K-State Wildcat that I've referred to as KJ. I understand if you get confused. Uh, I sometimes get confused. And then Marquez Siegel and Garrett Oakley were all out. KJ and Oakley because of injury. Marquez Siegel because of a one-game suspension for an undisclosed reason. I don't think any of them are really going to be particularly serious. Other than, We knew Duffy wasn't going to play, so obviously you can count Duff as well and we'll talk about the offensive line later because boy we have some stuff to say about the offensive line but I think it was encouraging to see how the offense operated and still operated pretty well even without the pure like defined number one wide receiver
1: yeah um I was pretty surprised by that um RJ Garcia did a really great job uh, kind of taking the lead. Great job, um, R.J. In that, he he did doing a good job. Van Malone <laughs> was on to something over two years ago. And, of course, Ben Sennett, he was getting a ton of targets. Uh, he had the target on the one pick that Will threw, which I'm not really too upset about that pick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, losing Keegan Johnson uh, made me a little bit nervous before kickoff. Uh, But after the game, it's kind of left me more impressed that we were as effective as we were without our kind of alpha dog number one receiver.
0: Yeah.
1: And then uh, Siegel being out, uh, unfortunate that we didn't get to see him, but again, we got to see more guys um, in the defensive backfield, and uh, got to see a bit more rotation there. We saw Coley McAllister start, and he had his highs and his lows, but all in all, good to see another young guy play. Yeah. Uh, Again, that just seems like we are really finally starting to back build that secondary with young guys that are playing early and really making major impacts as well as getting those advanced transfers. So that's nice to see. Um, and then Garrett Oakley, I don't think we would have seen a ton of him. Uh, we maybe would have caught one pass. It hurt personally because <laughs> I, I I really think Garrett Oakley is going to be fantastic when it's all said and done. Uh, so that was a little unfortunate. But for the tone of the game it didn't really mean too much i don't think
0: no it didn't mean a whole whole lot amount you know for for an individual player like the the backup tight end or the 2b tight end i guess Mm. you could say but the second receiving tight end i think is more accurate to say also before we get into game day grades there's one person that's not on the outline but i feel deserves mention and that's chris Tennant. chris Tennant had a perfect day in both field goals and extra points And I know that that was a big point of of apprehension among a lot of the K-State fan base because, you know, last year he started off pretty rough and a lot of his kicks were, you know, sort of scary kicks (laughs) where even if they went in, you weren't really sure until it went through the uprights. And this game sort of allayed those concerns because there there were very few kicks. In fact, I don't think I remember a single kick that it felt like it was truly in doubt, even the long field goal.
1: Yeah, the long field goal was a little close, but it was still pretty comfortably in. It definitely had the distance. Mm. Like That probably could have gone another 10 yards almost and been fine. But yeah, 51 ties Chris Tennant's career-long field goal. Uh, he had that 51-yarder against Texas on Black Friday oh, back yeah. in 2021. Uh, so I had to go all the way back there to get his career-long, but... It's quite a uh, kick to come back on um, after getting benched on um, the prior season, but that shows a lot of mental toughness um, from Chris Tennant, just because the mental part of it is so huge for kickers. So really awesome to see Tennant shine and really be able to figure that out uh, and retake the starting job and look as good as he did. Uh, so really happy for Chris Tennant that he got to have um, his great day. Of course, it's a little overshadowed by a lot of other people, but honestly, that's kind of what you want your kicker to be sometimes yeah and uh and um, so if chris ten is getting overshadowed and we're not talking about his performance that much that means he's
0: doing his job yeah if you talk about your kicker it's either a really good thing or a really bad thing
1: <laughs> yeah so but very happy for chris Tennant right now so really good thing for yeah him. exactly and then also i guess a little shout out to uh leighton simmering who took an extra
0: point at the end uh, if we're gonna do our kicker stuff now <laughs> <laughs> so kicking game looked good So now we can slide into the game day grade segment where we go through every single position group, excluding special teams and including coaches, giving them a grade from A-plus to F. A-plus meaning they single-handedly won us the game, or F meaning they near single-handedly or did single-handedly lose us the game. Uh, We didn't lose, so (laughs) no Fs this week. And we're going to start with the men or man under center, depending on how you wish to interpret the grade. That is the quarterback position, which will be headlined by Will Howard, but singing backup vocals, I guess, would be Avery Johnson, even though the backup vocals did kind of get overpowering a little bit towards the end. That is true. I ended up giving the quarterbacks an A grade, and it's not because we now have another trivia fact of who is the K-State player who has received, rushed, and passed for a touchdown in the same game. It would be Will Howard. Tell your friends about triple threat Will Howard. But... The biggest detractor that one would take is one throw where Will was late on a corner route on a smash concept to RJ, so which let him out of bounds, which is fine. It's early season stuff. And then the uh, interception to Ben Sinnott. I don't actually put that on Will. That is the right read against a middle field open look. You want to hit that slice or seam ball. Uh, he just couldn't get everything behind it because someone on the offensive line got a sent to the explosion room immediately. But I ended up giving them an A because it was a consistent performance. Avery was electric when he got in, but Will held his own.
1: Yeah, I went with an A as well. Um, Will looked really good. The interception uh, really stunk at first, but I went back and watched the tape. And, uh, of course, we know uh, offensive line got blown up on that play. But also... Even at the time, I did think it was the wrong read, but if you go back and watch it, that's not a bad read at all. In fact, was, I completely get what he's going for there because the safety help was late, and so he probably completes that for a huge gain and maybe a touchdown uh, if he's able to fully step into it, but he got absolutely rocked and took a lot of power off that throw to the point where, at worst, if he had gotten that off, it would have just been an overthrow. So... That wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, so I'm not going to hold that against him. And then of course, Avery was awesome when he got into the game and was able to play uh, both passing the ball and
0: running the ball. He was definitely Power Five ready, so they get an A. Yep. Running backs, kind of the same same sequence, mostly led by DJ Giddens. who had a really solid day across the board. Uh, I believe he rushed for 125 on was it 12? 15 carries, 128. 15, 128. That's still pretty good. And then Treshawn Ward was, again, backup vocals to the running backs. And and then, of course, you uh, Tony Frias and Joe Jackson both got a few carries. They didn't really factor into the grade. I ended up giving the running backs an A. And I'm just going to say that to the people who kept saying DJ is just a power back, please stop talking. Like, he showed that, no, he doesn't have, like, four three-speed. He has more than enough functional speed to be a good running back and insane contact balance that he can transition into Jukes. Yes,
1: DJ is much more than a power back, and he should be characterized as such. But he was great, Uh, looked really good, especially later in the game. Uh, Treshawn Ward was kind of uh, more, I think, a factor in the early parts of the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Then, of course, he had a rushing touchdown, and then uh, Treshawn Ward also threw a touchdown pass. So... Uh, very versatile there. I gave the running backs an A as well. Nice to see Anthony Frias get a carry that would result in a fumble to um, get redemption from last year. It's balanced out. Uh, so the weight is off his shoulders. And, of course, Joe Jackson, nice to see a true freshman. Um, did have several carries that were tackled for loss, but it just kind of looked like the blocking got blown up. Um, plus, it was, it was garbage time, so, it again, not super important. But regardless, still nice to see him. Only really huge notable thing, I think, is that there were no um, – Receptions by running backs, uh, which was... It's just uh, odd. I was expecting a little bit more in that
0: department, but we may be waiting for something. So, yeah. we'll see. Yep. Now, here's wide receivers, and honestly, I think the wide receivers, barring one play, was probably the highlight of the day. Um, and the one play is Phil just sort of giving up on a post ball. <laughs> which, granted, that's not Phil's game to go up and win contested post balls, but still, you gotta try a little harder. Yeah. But... RJ Garcia knocked it out of the park. Like he had the insane sideline catch. Mm-hmm. Every time they tried playing man coverage, it just didn't work. So I honestly gave the receivers a, an A plus. They rocked it. Even the backups were rocking it as and this was without KJ. <laughs> yeah, I gave him an A plus too, for
1: the same reason. Um RJ Garcia was fantastic. Five catches hundred and nineteen yards and a touchdown. Uh that's more than he had had in his whole career um, up until that point. So, excellent night. And then he also, on a pass that ultimately was incomplete because Will was just a little bit late on it, uh, he still made an incredible sideline catch and did everything he could to make that a catch, even though it was ultimately out of bounds. Philip Brooks was good other than that one play where he just kind of gave up. Jaden Jackson had the first touchdown of the season on a really nice route, So, good for Jaden Jackson. We saw Trey Spivey for the first time, Jace Brown for the first time, and we got to see Xavier Lloyd as well. I think that was his first catch, too, Mm -hmm. Uh, and he had a really nice play as well. So, A-plus for the receivers, I thought they were awesome, Uh, and then I love seeing some of those backup guys. Guys like Trey Spivey and Jace Brown are showing that they may be hard to keep off the field.
0: Yeah, especially Spivey. I... He's already gross. (laughs) Like, he's already gross.
1: And the fact that, again, like you said, that all this production happened without Keegan Johnson, that was what interested me the most, was that we were able to do this without Keegan, without that number one guy. I imagine we'll have Keegan back next week, so my expectations will be even higher for the receiver room. But it was really nice to see them come out and for the first time in a while really dominate a secondary I, I honestly cannot remember the last time that I recall that really happening. Um, I'm sure there's maybe a couple of times last year where we got kind of close, but this felt like one of the first times where it was truly our receivers never really struggled
0: at any point. Yeah, I agree. Uh, tight ends, fullbacks, I ended up giving an A. Ben Sennett, I think, was either the leading receiver or the second leading receiver. He's He got rid of the arm brace, so maybe he loses a bit of his Rob Gronkowski powers. But he was still an excellent receiving option, and there's still an insane amount of rapport there. Why it's not an A+, plus is Will Swanson was there, and the blocking was also just kind of there. And that's something that you really want from Will Swanson, is to be that good like inline blocking tight end. So I ended up just giving them an A, despite the amazing performance from Ben Sinnott.
1: I went with an A as well. Of course, Ben, 100-yard receiver. Uh, second 100-yard receiver on the day with a five for exactly 100. Um, he was great, of course. he We expect him to be great at this point. Um, Swanson, pretty pedestrian. No statistics, no catches. I don't think he was targeted at all. Um, so, yeah, not a lot to draw there. Christian Moore lined up in the slot once, which this I thought was interesting. <laughs> and... Uh, braden lofton got some uh, um, run as kind of a, a third tight end and was largely unnoticeable i thought so um uh, the back of tight ends kind of holding back from really taking that room to the next level i think a touchdown from senate might have raised it to an a plus on its own just because ben's already that good but all in all not a bad day at all for the tight ends uh really excellent day. This this would have been an A-plus in conference play. for sure. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you you hope for a little bit more from the backups, I guess, in an FCS game. But um, it is what it is. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, now we get to talk about the elephant in the room. The offensive line. This, okay, I want to clarify that I don't think they had a horrifically bad performance. I don't even think they had a, like, truly bad performance. They just had one of the. I don't think I have been more disappointed in a performance from someone outside of like quarterback, and quarterback was extenuating circumstance. Um, I. It's just they didn't look ready. I would say, and of course there's there's the elephant in the room of the right tackle position. The right tackle play at the beginning of the game, there's no getting around it, was poor. And I think poor is generous. It was bad. Um, Almost every time the pressure was given up, it was coming from right in front of Will. And of course, you know, it's preferable to having it coming from the blind side, but still, it still sucks. Uh, Cooper Beebe ended up playing three different positions, but it still... It was not a dominating game that it should have been for this offensive line. And that is massively disappointing and somewhat alarming. Yeah. I gave them a B minus.
1: I gave them a generous B. And that's because almost exclusively from Cooper Beebe and KT Levinson, really having fantastic days on the left side, those two were pretty much flawless on the left side. Uh, or wherever Cooper Cooper Beebe was, he, I, I, don't, yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't even watch him at this point. Like <laughs> I don't even pay attention to what he's doing. Panzer was largely unnoticeable, which is pretty good. Um, but other than that, there wasn't a ton to write home about in that room. Um, Taylor Poitier getting back on the field and playing a lot of snaps, especially later, that was really great to see. And from what I could tell, he looked like he was uh, starting to get his bearings and was starting to really starting to look good again. But, yeah, I was expecting a completely dominant performance. The only really major good thing that I think we can take across the board is that starting group I think is really well conditioned because in the second half and the third quarter especially when that starting group was still in, uh, they seemed to uh, really start to open up uh, gaps to run through a lot better uh, than they had been in the first half so they did at least grow there. But yeah, I'm a little concerned um, and anxiously awaiting the return of Duffy now, even more so than I was before,
0: because uh, we're going to have to figure out the combination that works best sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think this game has sort of proven to me that the ideal lineup without Duffy is probably going to be KT, Langang, slash Panzer, Gilly, slash Shields, then Poitiers and then BB at right tackle. That's from left to right. I think that's the ideal lineup because I I don't want to dump on players, but Carver-Willis had a very, very rough game at right tackle.
1: Yeah, and maybe he just needed that to shake the rust off, and maybe he'll look great next week. But it was not a good first outing for Carver, but we haven't seen him in a while, so we'll give him a little grace. Uh, for week one, especially we can afford that because, you know, he didn't cost us the game or yeah. anything. Um, and now if his game had been close, I think we'd maybe be a bit more critical. Um, but still, a lot of room to grow for the offensive line. Um, I imagine we see Carver Willis again next week. Probably. I'm looking forward to seeing what steps he takes. Uh, I'll be watching him extra closely next week. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if he can uh, make a big improvement. But all in all, yeah, I think it was a pretty disappointing day, relatively speaking, for the offensive line.
0: Yeah. So that's the offense. Now we can move on to the defensive side of the ball. Let's talk about the offensive line's counterpart in the defensive line. Dominant. <laughs> like they, There was absolutely nothing <laughs> that Simo could do except for run screen passes. Yep. That was it. And a lot of that was because of the, the defensive line. And it wasn't just the one line. It was the two and three lines, too. You had you had uh, contributions from shitty obi You had contributions from Nate Matlick finally getting back in the sack column after what seems like an eternity. Uh, Stufflebean looked good. Mott looked great. Uso ate someone. <laughs> he did. He just
1: vacuumed
0: somebody off the face of the earth <laughs> and never to be seen again. Yeah. I gave them an A+. Plus. This was the prototypical, like, this is what the defensive line of an FBS school that is ranked should look like against an FCS school. And honestly, I think at times it exceeded that. Yeah, I gave them an A plus too. Um, I thought that they were great.
1: Um, I was happy to see some younger guys rotate in. We saw a lot of Damian O'Loglio. Uh We saw a lot of, uh, or a bit of Javon Banks um we saw of course we still saw Uso even though he didn't get the starting nod uh, just because he um, is still probably not a hundred percent but if he was playing as much as he did I imagine he's very close uh to that point point. and uh then of course Khalid Duke uh, on his sack just made it look effortless um, Nate Matlick had a nice sack as well. And then Austin Moore, of course. Well, he's not a defensive lineman, but he still got in there. Yeah. And, uh, and then, of course, Uso um, and Illalio combined for one as well. Uh, a lot to really like from that defensive front. Um, the run was doing nothing uh, up the middle. They, they, like I think you put it well. They did exactly what they should have done. And they took a running back who ran for an 11 games... Uh, almost 1,600 yards and held him to negative four on the day. I had more rushing yards than an FCS All-American. Everybody that was at that game had more rushing yards than a near 1,600-yard rusher, and a lot of that goes back to the defensive front uh, and their incredible talent that they showcased. So a lot to really like about them and how they played.
0: Yeah, I agree. Next up is the linebacking room, headlined by Daniel Green and Austin Moore. A little bit of Des... Well, Des in the starting group, so yes, Des in there as well. I don't know why I had to put that caveat. But they had a really good game as well. You know, while the defensive line was doing their jobs, eating a lot of blocks, and sometimes doing a little bit more than their job in a 3-3-5, the linebackers were pretty consistently almost always in their spot, especially Austin Moore because I, I'm pretty sure that Haley's Comet passes by every, you know, Haley's Comet passes by twice every time Austin Moore makes a mistake. So yeah. <laughs> I, it was an amazing performance. I ended up giving them equally an A+. I gave them an A+, plus too. Um, Austin Moore was awesome. He had
1: three tackles for loss. Um, Asa Newsom, he got a lot of playing time as a true freshman. He had four tackles and looked really, really good. Um, and then, of course, um, you have other guys. Bo Palmer played. He had a tackle for loss. Um, also, I forgot to shout this out in the uh, defensive line. Shout out Nate Matlick for nearly getting a pick um, oh. at one point. <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Um, but, yeah, then we saw a lot of Harry Kirksey. We saw some uh, Daniel Green. Uh, Desmond Purnell um, and Daniel Green actually didn't register stats in this game, which I think is fine, given how much we were playing young guys. Uh, and how impressive they looked. We saw some Jordan Perry at Sam late in the game, and he had a tackle. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, we saw Kirk's We saw Toby pass rush. Yeah, Toby Osunzami was... Called the jet package, by the yeah. way. Well, specifically, yeah. you called the jet package i appreciate that yes we that that was a um alley cat poll <laughs> we, we reach into the future to grab that one uh we don't worry this is an arrogance we have just we have significantly more misses that oh, oh, <laughs> we'll go well, over. well austin romaine austin we romaine can cover that now yeah, austin romaine unfortunately we must apologize to austin romaine <laughs> uh he made us look silly in this first game. He's not listed on the box scores having a tackle for loss, but there yeah, is a highlight did. where he had one. So they may have just registered it to somebody else. Uh, but, um, yeah, Austin Romaine looked really good. He looked way faster than he looked in his high school tape. Uh, so they, so Coach True just took him and decided to make him into a different player. <laughs> we can only learn so much about a player. Especially when they don't put up senior tape. Yeah, so they yeah, also remain making us look silly. We'll get into another guy especially with uh, the uh, defensive backs. Also, shout-out Asher Tomaszewski for registering uh, some snaps um, as a true freshman. Uh, good for him to get on the field. And uh, Titus Tui, Uh both of them saw the field. We're not going to be able to get everybody because I think it was like 77 players yeah, made 77. it on the field. I think the line I had set was 80. So we got pretty close, yeah, uh, but not quite. Uh, but yeah, linebackers, they get an A+. They were awesome. There's no ands or buts about it.
0: Yep. Yeah. The defensive backs room was one minor adjustment away from getting an A+, and that is, good God, can someone react faster than, like, eight seconds to a screen pass. I know that their, rea- their first reaction is supposed to be back in a lot of the coverages we run, but... Uh, I'm gonna single out Colby McAllister. It was not only Colby McAllister. I think every defensive back Sans, Kobe Savage, and VJ Payne had this problem. Where it took them a couple more seconds than you'd really like to diagnose a screen pass, and Colby McAllister just kept getting washed over and over again. And he's a young player, he'll learn that eventually. But it's really the fact that they were forced to only throw screen passes that really makes them like earn the A grade. Um, again, it could have considered an A plus if they were quicker on screen passes and also Keenan Garber didn't, eh, I'm not going to hold the PI against Keenan Garber. That was really ticky tacky.
1: Yeah. But I gave him an A, uh, again, exact same reason when I was making these grades, I was thinking about exactly that. If they had just adjusted the screens a little better, um, and really got more aggressive with them, then that's an easy A plus, um, it's hard to give them not an A-plus because, yeah, they threw for 213 yards, but so much of that was just underneath passes that we were just giving them. And it's hard to really say that Southeast Missouri had a good day throwing the ball because if you only looked at a stat sheet, you'd say they did mediocre throwing the ball. But in reality, it was horrific in all aspects of their offense. It's just that they were getting the ball out really quickly because they didn't trust their offensive line. And they weren't throwing it very far because they didn't trust their quarterback to do um, do anything. But yeah, Will Lee I thought looked really, really good uh, in his first game. Colby uh, McAllister getting thrust into a starting role I liked. I thought he looked really good. And then um, Keenan Garber continued to play well. Jacob Parrish had, I think he's credited with one pass breakup. I could have sworn he had at least two. Um, he did. I, oh, thank you for validating me. <laughs> and... Um, Justice James, he had a couple of highlight plays as well. Uh, I'm very happy about that. Kobe Savage looked really good, too, uh, back from um, injury. He didn't look like he skipped a beat, Um, at least not to me. V.J. Payne, largely uneventful game because they didn't really go deep all that much. So he was just kind of chilling in center field for most of the game. And I think that's probably fine. Uh, Elephant in the room, though, we got to address Jack Fabris. Uh, we, we got a tip that Jack Fabers might be the real deal um, just before the game, a couple of days early. And we, we must offer our most sincere apologies to the Fabers family. Uh, Jack is good at football. And oh, he killed
0: someone. He nearly killed someone on a hit.
1: We regret that we uh, <laughs> did not evaluate his film better. We pride ourselves as men of
0: faith. <laughs> <laughs> That's a deep drive to left center by Castiano, so make it a four-one ball game. <laughs> yeah, but Fabers looked great, uh, flying downfield. He was like the second or third
1: safety off the bench, which was just absolutely nuts for a true freshman as a two-star. Which, like, again, his film was definitely violent, and his film had a lot of stuff that I think we liked. But again, it was a lot of he kind of seemed like an undersized linebacker mm-hmm. on his film. And like a guy with great special teams, Uh, but you know what? That's why we're not coaches, and Mm -hmm. that's why the guys at K State are. Um, Other than that, Kanigel Thomas, he got a lot of reps. They kept announcing him as Rex Van Wy, because he had a um, yeah, he had a fake number twenty eight, decidedly not Rex Van Wy. I think Kenaiel's actually fifteen, and he was wearing that on special teams as Mm -hmm. well. But all in all, really, really nice day for the defensive backs. I mean, we prevented them from getting anything deep, anything really good in the (laughs) passing game, honestly. Um, They had one 24-yard catch. Uh, Other than that... fourth quarter, I think. Yeah, it was was pretty uneventful. Uh, We saw a lot of guys rotate in and out. All in all, very, very, very happy with the defensive backs and the entire defense. I
0: mean, when you pitch a shutout, there's only so much you can say. Yeah. Uh, in terms of offensive coordinator, I'm just going to keep it short for both sides. Klein and Klanderman both get A pluses. They both call amazing games. Klanderman, honestly, has an argument for A plus, but we don't give those here. <laughs> but both coordinators had an awesome day. There's nothing really to criticize about them.
1: Yeah, same for me. Um, I'll, I'll keep it easy, too. Klein gets an A plus for calling a much better first game than he did last year.
0: Oh, my God.
1: And. Uh, <laughs> Also, for calling not only an efficient game, but for calling a game that didn't really give away a whole lot that we haven't done before. The only real wrinkle that was different was that trick play to Will. Um, And we ran, I think, more Diamond Pistol than we have in the past. But I don't think it's anything that wasn't really expected. So Klein, of course, was great. Klanderman, the only knock you could give him is maybe, like, getting the defense to adjust more aggressively to the screens but even then i'm not going to really wring my hands about it i mean the alternative i guess was potentially getting beat deep and in that case with how well we were playing i'm fine with giving up those screens because they weren't really doing anything with them anyways so i think that's all well and good and of course he called some blitzes we were getting a lot of pressure uh and even getting some coverage uh sacks at times so Yeah, nothing to complain about with
0: Joe Klanderman, who did a really great job. Yeah. So that is game day grades. Now we can talk a little bit about the MVPs for this game. For me, the the two MVPs that I picked were actually really easy for me. Uh, On offense, it was RJ Garcia for the absolutely ridiculous game he had, including that ridiculous circus sideline catch. (laughs) And the defensive MVP I'm actually going to give to Austin Moore. Because even if he wasn't the one making the tackle, he was probably the one who ended up diagnosing the play first, and everyone else just happened to be closer. <laughs> yeah, I am rolling
1: with Will Howard on offense. Um, I think that there was a lot of uh, uh, good things that he did. Um, however, it—he's still the QB, and he had a great day. RJ was also good. I very nearly picked him, Uh, but I just couldn't not go with Will. Uh, The pick made it a little closer, but it also wasn't Will's fault. So, I mean, it technically is, but, you know. And uh, then defensively, I went ahead to go with Jacob Parrish uh, for um, my MVP pick. Uh, He was just like glue in the secondary. Um, Again, Austin Moore also really great pick. He was my number two, um, but I thought jacob parish was awesome uh and he picked up right where i think we expected him to be i think there was maybe more questions about jacob parish than you and i thought Mm -hmm. uh i didn't realize that the i think i didn't realize the fan base at large was maybe not as sure on parish uh we we were never really in that camp um but with that frame of reference then i guess parish maybe is that um because he wasn't a known commodity to the majority of the fan base. Um, and he was, I thought, fantastic.
0: Yeah. The only thing that you can nitpick is that there was one time he didn't get zone depth, and it was once. Yeah. However, he also was a 5'10 receiver who was bullying 6'4 guys in press. Yeah. That shouldn't happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, can't really complain um, about Parrish's game. Austin Moore was awesome. Uh, he, I imagine we're going to see many performances like that. Throughout this year, if he can stay healthy um, throughout the full season, uh, that's going to be great. Should be a little easier to do this year because we'll have Asa uh, rotating in. Although Asa apparently did come off the field uh, limping at one point, uh, but I hopefully it was minor. I think he was able to get off on his own power, but uh, TBD on that. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, plenty of deserving recipients, but can only pick one.
0: Yeah. MVP. Yep. Now we can start talking about the takeaways. There's only really three to talk about here. First and foremost, and most importantly, is we took care of business against an FCS team, and we never really left any doubt, which, you know, it, it, in, in the past, there, there were times that there was a, a touch of doubt left. Granted, you could say, you know, claim extenuating circumstance. But this was a really good example of you go into a game, you have the exact expected result, and you deal with the hiccups that come along the way, but it doesn't interrupt the final destination. And I think that's really important for a football team to have.
1: Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, this was a game that Cased, it was expected to win by a lot. I think the line was like 28 and a half. It was 26 and a half. Yeah, so everybody was expecting us to perform at a high level, and we went in and did that, and you don't... Um, as a high ranked team you don't really get you know like any recognition for doing that no. you know like we, we did what was expected of us and even though we knew it wouldn't be a ton of uh, you know media hype about it we went ahead and did it anyways and so that that's a good thing to do that we did not overlook them because they were a team they had players that if we had gotten overlooked they could have taken advantage of it so glad that we went in with clear heads, and um, didn't take it lightly.
0: Yeah, because not every Big 12 school did that. <laughs> yeah, there were
1: a few Big 12 schools, several in fact, that definitely did that. And
0: uh, um, they paid the price. Yeah. L- looking at you, Bailey. Uh, go Bobcats, by the way. <laughs> uh, the second takeaway was screens were a bit of a headache at times. And I'm not horribly concerned by it yet. I will say that when we get to offenses that rely more on screen passes that are faster, as in the teams themselves, not the screens themselves, but I will say I'm a i am would be a touch concerned by that, especially if reaction times don't improve with it. I think Klanderman's going to start diagnosing that a lot quicker. It's like I think that's going to be a big emphasis uh, during practice this next week, but you know screens. It's a takeaway. Short game was a lot of times free range even if we rallied quickly.
1: Yeah, so i mean, again yeah, that's kind of been really the only thing that we've pretty consistently uh, kind of uh, driven home is that screens were annoying in this game. Uh, they were a pest. Uh, it didn't burn us really at any point, but it was just a consistent you know a like five to six yard chunk most of the time. Uh, so we're going to, have to get a little bit better at dealing with those, um, especially when we face more talented teams that are, again, like you said, uh, do a better job at running those uh, and be more athletic and get more yardage out of it. Um, but regardless, um, we it still wasn't the worst thing in the world. But especially if that's the only thing that you really have to complain about, um, but we will still need to keep our eyes on that uh, and headed into the future.
0: Yeah. Then the final takeaway was the rotation was really nice to see and there weren't any well well outside of the the offensive line not having a great day there wasn't any positions that you know it was obvious like okay that that guy's out of place or so like no that guy shouldn't be like should there was no one involved in the rotation that we felt shouldn't have been.
1: Yeah. I mean, which is huge cuz you don't always have that. Uh, I mean, in the past, there's generally been people that we've kind of been, like, like, when they come on the field, you kind of cringe a little bit, and you just hope for the best. Um, but I mean, we saw 77 players, and none of them ever really looked like they didn't belong, I think. Uh, which I guess does speak to just how much depth has been acquired for this team. Uh, I, I mean, a guy like Tyler Neelum, I, I, I we hardly registered that he was on the field, uh, which was kind of unfortunate because he was a big storyline mm-hmm. uh, facing his old team. Uh, but that that goes to show a guy like Tyler Nolome, uh, he, he there was no real noticeable drop-off there to the point that we were concerned about like how bad that unit was. We looked great, really, no matter who was in, I felt. Obviously, there's like slight drop-offs in what you can do with um, younger guys, maybe just based on what they know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But... I was never really genuinely concerned no. at any point of the game. And the guys in the main rotation all belonged. They all looked really good. They were all athletic, fast, Simon sound, and did what they needed to do. And at no point was I worried about any of those
0: guys, yeah. which is a, a refreshing change. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could do 3.5. Even the true freshman looked really good. Asa looked like he belonged already. Chidi made a few splash plays. Asher got a few snaps. Uh, Kanigel ended up getting in. Jack Fabris, Austin Romaine. I won him at six. (laughs) Yeah, I think we ended up counting, I think, about 11. I think at 11. uh,
1: Saw the field, 11 true freshmen. That's without Jordan Allen, uh, which is someone I think uh, I was a little surprised didn't get on the field at all. Uh, And everybody looked good. Um, Jace Brown looked really good, too. Uh, He's just like a mini R.J. Garcia right now. Uh, not in stature, but more in age. Yeah. and Because uh, he's exactly the... It, he's pretty much just R.J. Pretty, Garcia. He's just R.J., like size-wise. Yeah. yeah, even from... He's even from Florida, yeah. like R.J. is. So uh, there's a lot of young guys to be excited about. There's a lot of young guys that are making really convincing cases to get snaps sooner rather than later to the point where maybe a detriment to keep them off the field, especially someone like Asa uh having him be able to rotate in and not have a big drop-off by taking Austin Moore off the field is going to be invaluable later in the season uh, to
0: help keep Austin Moore fresh. Yeah. So that's the end of the takeaways. Do you have any last thoughts about the game? It's good to get the first one out of
1: the way, especially with how things went in the Big 12 this week. Um, A lot of teams did not make the conference look very good (laughs) this week. Yeah, Texas Tech didn't look very, very good. Um, Then, of course, uh, Baylor. Wow. (laughs) That that was a disaster uh, for them. Uh, Oklahoma State, they looked pedestrian. Yeah. Maybe struggled more than they should have with Arkansas State. Uh, But, yeah, not a banner week for the Big 12. But K State was still able to take care of business and look like a. A team that belongs at the top of
0: the conference. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, that's the end of this week. Putting the the putting CMO to bed. Next week is the Troy Trojans. So look forward to the preview for that. Releasing this Wednesday. But as of right now, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. If you want to follow or contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter, Threads, Instagram, YouTube, basically everything on Earth at this point, at Aggieville ACATS. You can email us at AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AC Edwards00. I am at Connor Balthazar, Capital C, Capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville AlleyCats merch store, where we are having yet another sale where it is 20% off. All items that you order, so long as you do it pretty quickly. Yeah, that's done uh, by the end of Labor Day, I believe. Oh,
1: so, so day this the releases, the day. <laughs> so day that releases, uh, that that's your last chance uh, to get in and get that sale. So if you want twenty percent off,
0: you have very limited time. You have very <laughs> limited time. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Allen Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.